Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year to everybody. I am glad to see you all here this morning. Uh, you're stuck with me again for two weeks in a row. So um, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn those to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 4, uh, verses 16 through 18. Um, now, if you look in your, um, your bulletin today, you're going to see some notes that, that don't exactly line up with my message today. Uh, we were supposed to start refresh today. It's getting pushed to next week. Pray for Aaron. He's sick. And, and so just pray for his recovery. Apparently in 19 years of ministry, he's never had a sick day on Sunday. So um, praise God for such a faithful shepherd, but also pray that he would um, recover quickly uh, so that he can be back here next week and I don't have to start refresh, right? So... Um, <laughs> So uh, 2 Corinthians is where we're going to be camping out today. If you look in your bulletin, there should be a loose white sheet of paper. Uh, and if you want to track along and write down some notes, uh, that's the place that you can do that. Uh, so none of the things on the connection card or, or anything inside the bulletin are going to match up except for that. So um, let's get into the word and uh, we'll have a word of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And you can read it on the screens behind me if you don't have a Bible with you. The Apostle Paul writes, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's ask for the Lord's blessing in our time today. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your children asking for bread. Lord, we ask you this morning that you would give us our daily bread as we read and meditate and study your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would um, soften our hearts, open our eyes to see uh, and to receive whatever it is that you might have for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each individual in this room. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be working and moving in this place this morning. Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing heavy affliction as the Apostle Paul did. Uh, Lord, that um, by the end of this service, they would know uh, how to not uh, lose heart. Uh, so, Lord, we, we ask that you would just have your hand upon our time. Lord, put a gatekeeper at my lips that I might only speak what is true uh, and according to your word. So, Lord, these things we pray uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when we're um, younger, uh, especially young men, uh, we uh, are we kind of live in this space where we think we're invincible, right? Uh, we're kind of like the Kool-Aid man, just juggernaut, full speed, all gas, no brake, you know, just going through walls. Nothing could ever slow us down. Uh, when I worked in uh, California, I worked at a group home. So if you don't know what a group home is, it's a, a kind of a communal living space for, um, for underage kids. So kids, uh, we took in teenagers ages uh, 12 to 19. They could stay until they were 19 years old. And these kids had all sorts of problems. So uh, bad family lives. Maybe they were in the foster system. A lot of them came out of juvenile hall. And so they would live here. Uh, and I was one of the staff there. So I got to work with them. I you know, took them to school, cooked them dinner. Um, counseled them when they needed it. And there was one particular kid, I remember, his name was Israel. Uh, he was only 14 years old, but he was one of those guys that just thought he was invincible. Matter of fact, he told me that one time. He, he came to the group home, and he was a relatively quiet kid. Um, but over time, the other boys in the group home kind of corrupted him. And so um, by the time he left, it was, it was tragic because uh, he went from a very mild, well-mannered kid um, to 
um, sneaking out of the house and going to parties, getting drunk, coming back high, bringing things into the house, starting fights. And so um, there was one particular time where uh, I picked him up when he had uh, ran away and he called us because he wanted to ride back to the group home. Uh, and so I'm talking to him. I'm trying to counsel him, saying, Israel, like you're, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. You're going you're gonna to ruin your life. You, you, could, you could die. I mean, just three weeks earlier, there was a kid his age who had died in gang violence just around the corner from where he was. And so, but he turns to me and he says, I'm not going to die. I'm invincible. And you could see the pure ignorance in his eyes. Like he, he really truly believed that, that nothing bad was going to happen to him. Um, the reality is that we as, as human beings are not even close to being invincible. We are frail people that experience great physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual pain and suffering throughout our lives that oftentimes leave us broken and empty. Uh, and then we also have the inevitability of death laying at the door eventually. Happy 2020, right? Happy 2022, right? We're starting on a positive note here. Um, the reality is that we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world filled with pain and hardship. Uh, the Apostle Paul describes humans as jars of clay, just clay pots, you know, low value, easily breakable. And that's what we are. We're easily breakable. Uh, so perhaps this morning, uh, many have, of you have been in places where you have felt nothing short of broken. And, and maybe right now, as you sit here in this church, you sit in a place of, of brokenness, feeling just shattered by the world and things that have happened to you. You know, maybe you've been abandoned or you've lost somebody that was dear to you. But all of us at certain points have things that impact our lives in such a way that they can absolutely shatter us into a thousand pieces. So maybe this morning you think that the question that needs to be asked is, how do I prevent my suffering? Right? How do I prevent pain? Or, or how can I avoid difficulty that it will leave me feeling empty? Uh, but see, the most important question I think uh, that you can ask is not, how can I live my best life now uh, with the least amount of danger uh, and the maximal amount of comfort uh, but rather, the most important question that you can ask, especially given the state of our world that is imbued with panic and fear and hopelessness, is how can we not lose heart? Right? It's, it's inevitable that we will experience things that have the potential to break us. Inevitable that we are going to experience things that have the potential to leave us feeling empty and, and hopeless. So how can we not lose heart? How is it possible that we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, who not only face the same diseases, natural disasters, relationship distress as the rest of the world, but who also face persecution because we serve the one true God, how can we live lives that are marked by a heavenly hope, confidence, and joy, and not fear and despair like the rest of the world? So this morning, what I'd like to do is I want to draw your attention beyond the here and now uh, and help you to fix your eyes and your hope on that which cannot be broken. So let's take a look at our first verse today that we're going to be diving into. So verse 16, here's what it says. It says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed day by day. To me, that sounds like a paradox, 
right? Part of us is wasting away. The human body over time is eventually going to uh, shatter and break and it is going to grow old and it is not going to work the same way uh, that it did 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, right? So that, that is the nature of life. It is a slow burn. It is a slow decay. Now this word uh, lose heart, it means to grow weary. So what Paul says here, he says, we do not grow weary, though our outer self is wasting away. Why is that? It is because the inner self, the inner man, the spirit man is being renewed every single day. So it's almost like our bodies and our spiritual souls are kind of growing in opposite directions. They're almost polarized, like when you put two ends of the battery together and they push apart from each other. Right, so as the body decays, as it gets beaten up and grows old and tired and weary, the inner man is supposed to be going the opposite direction. So, so Christians ought to have polarized souls that do not move in the same direction as the body. See, as our bodies get weaker and weaker and we experience more and more suffering and pain, the growth of our souls is meant to be exponential. Right? Our inner selves are meant to be renewed through our trials, uh, which doesn't just mean restored to back to what it was before, uh, but actually it means to be restored to something higher. Right? This is what the Apostle Paul talks about when he says, we go from glory to glory. Right? So with each trial, with, with, with each pain and affliction, God is calling you higher. But how does this happen? How, how does as, how, how do our souls not get dragged down with our bodies? Because when I see the rest of the world, their, their joy, their hope is tethered to the way their life is going. There is nothing outside of it. There is no steady anchor. There is no rock on which they can set their feet that is unmoving. Joy in the world is, is largely dependent on how life is. And when life falls apart, so do you. So, so how is it that Christians are not to lose heart? How, how is it that we are supposed to be going the opposite direction of our circumstances and our surroundings? Well, here is an encouragement for you is that God doesn't waste any pain. He uses every wound. See, the aim of affliction from heaven's perspective is for God to stretch us to grow us, and to teach us to rely on him. Look at these two verses. This is from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. So just a few chapters before, and this is the affliction that Paul is talking about in our passage. This is the affliction that he's experiencing uh, that he's not going to grow, grow weary about, right? He's not going to lose heart about it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, here it says, it says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction, there it is, that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, you, do you see the relationship that an affliction has with your soul? The purpose of it is to teach us and grow us into trusting God more. Instead of feeling like God has just given us a death sentence, like, like he has just set us up for failure, is God not trying to teach you, trust me? 
I mean, this is exactly what the Israelites experienced when they were ushered out of Egypt, out of captivity and out of slavery. What happened? God, in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, leads them through the wilderness to where? Where they're trapped between the wilderness and an ocean and an army. With their backs up against the wall with no way out and he splits a sea. But what do the Israelites say before that? He said, did you bring us out of Egypt for us to die? But the purpose of that was that the Israelites would have a, a growing trust in God, that they would be sanctified through their trial. So your pain has purpose. God doesn't waste any of it. All of it has the purpose of growing your trust in him, growing your holiness, sanctifying you to be more like Jesus. So this is why we don't lose heart. It's because we have confidence that our pain is not meaningless. That it's not coincidence that we experience what we experience. We have confidence that God, in a world of brokenness, uses that brokenness to make us more whole. Not to make us less. So do you realize, church, that as you care for your sick child uh, or you have lost your job or your finances are strained or your marriage has stress upon stress placed upon it, as you suffer illness and as you experience grief from losing a loved one, that God is not abandoning you. He, he hasn't left you to your own devices. He is shepherding your soul sanctifying you, bringing you from one glory to the next. So don't ever think that your pain is pointless. God doesn't waste it. In a world where pain is inevitable, God does not waste it. We live in a fallen, broken world. We can't escape it, right? Because of the curse of sin, we will always have pains. We will always have difficulty, and we will always have tension in our lives. It's inevitable because of the world that we live in. But for the Christian, God is not wasting those moments. He is not wasting it. And in fact, he is caring for your soul through it. See, point number one in your notes, if you're following along with me, is that every affliction is a miracle of God's sanctifying grace. It is not God abandoning you. It is God shepherding you, growing you, stretching you, increasing your trust in him. So with every affliction, God has sent a miracle. And it may not feel that way. And I'm not trying to diminish anybody's pain. I'm not trying to diminish anybody's trauma and what they've experienced. But the reality is that if you look at it from heaven's perspective, your affliction is not for nothing. But God is going to use what is inevitable in this world for your good and for his glory. So every affliction from stubbing your toe to getting cut off on the freeway to losing something that you love or having no money in your bank account. All of it is meant to increase your trust in him. So let's, let's move on. And, and in verse 17, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all 
comparison. So we, what we learn in verse 16 is that uh, trials, afflictions, pain, it actually has a positive effect for Christians if we, if we handle it the right way. Uh, if we bring it before God and we, we learn to trust him with those things, right? When we get to the place where we have no other options but to trust God, right? So it has a sanctifying effect on our souls. Uh, but here again, we learn that an affliction is doing something positive here, uh, not just for uh, a believer in your sanctification here and becoming more like Jesus, but it also has positive effects for us in heaven, right? That's what it says, this light momentary affliction, this, this affliction that Paul just described as something that felt like a death sentence, calls it light and momentary now because he's looking at it from heaven's perspective. And it's doing what? It is preparing him for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What the heck does that mean, right? So afflictions have a positive effect in our sanctification, but it also has a positive effect for our glorification when we reach heaven. Scripture is clear about something that is very uncomfortable for a lot of us to experience, uh, for, uh, for a lot of us to hear. Uh, is that we will not all experience heaven the same way, right? If you read through scripture, what you'll see is that when we get to heaven, there are different rewards, right? Uh, Jesus talks about uh, giving us the crown of life and being given other crowns for faithful service. Uh, it says, he says, um, uh, for faithful stewardship of your life and your discipleship. He says there is a great reward for you in heaven. So there are different levels of reward. There's promises in scripture that uh, you will make it to heaven, but that is not. W but that might be without a reward, right? It talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that, that heaven is what you get and maybe nothing more. There's different positions in heaven. Uh, he promises the 12 disciples that they're going to sit on thrones and judge nations, right? So we see position. And then there's different capacities to experience worship and praise God in heaven, right? So what I want you to think about is, is two different size cups. So right, imagine your little cup that you pour your orange juice into in the morning, and then you have one of those party pitchers that you have, you know, a lot of punch in uh, for when you have a party, right? So both of them, if you, if you dunk them into a tub of water and you bring them up, both of them are going to be filled to the max, right? But they have different capacities to be filled. This is the promise of our afflictions is that what it does it is it, it expands your cup. It, it makes your capacity to worship and enjoy heaven. It increases it. And that's what an affliction does when we suffer it well. And we suffer it to the glory of God. Right, so not all of us are going to experience heaven the exact same. Uh, we will experience it to different capacities, but the way that we live our lives now, our faithfulness to the Lord now, has major implications for what we experience when we get to heaven. None of you, listen, none of you will be unsatisfied in heaven. Your cup will be filled to the brim. But one of the glories of an affliction of pain is that it expands and increases the amount of satisfaction and enjoyment that you will experience when you and I are there. Suffering well, either due to persecution, 
or due to life's normal trials in a way that honors Christ will increase your reward and position and capacity to worship God in heaven. So point number two in your notes is that every affliction expands our future enjoyment of heaven. Because that's what the affliction does. It prepares you for the weight of glory. It, it, it's like building your spiritual muscles so that you can handle the experience of heaven when you get there in a, in a greater and a deeper and a much more profound way. So God has greater things for you. And one of the ways that we get there, one of the ways that we receive greater experience, reward, increase our capacity to enjoy heaven is by suffering our trials well and suffering them in a way that pleases God. So the reason that Paul does not lose heart is because he is so convinced that the future glory produced by his present sufferings is so much better and sweeter that it's like comparing a single skin cell to the universe. Right? That, this affliction that was like a death sentence to him, now that he is looking at it from heaven's perspective, it is light and momentary. It is as nothing compared to what God has in store for him if he suffers faithfully and suffers well to the glory of God. See, one thing I love about Paul is that he just was not interested in having a pity party for himself, right? He had, I mean, can we talk about the Apostle Paul for a second? I mean, that brother had it rough. I mean, he was imprisoned, beaten, stoned, bitten by snakes. I mean, come on, the guy could not, shipwrecked, he couldn't catch a break. And yet with all of the, the trial and the tragedy in his life, losing all of his friends, uh, his social status, lost everything for the glory of God. And yet he says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for me the weight of eternal glory. This trial, it's hard. It's painful. I wish I didn't have to suffer it, but I know that compared to the weight of glory, it is light. And compared to the eternity of heaven, it is just a moment. Just a blip on the screen. So in verse 18, as, as we move on, uh, he says this. Um, and this is important. So there's this, a key phrase at the beginning of this verse. He says, as we look. So I want you to hold on to that for a second. So let's read it. So as we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right, so um, it is essential that we look for us to not lose heart, for us to not lose our, our joy and our hope when we face the things that we do in this world. So as we look, it is essential to do this, and it is essential to look at what Paul is looking at. He's not looking at the world around him. He's no longer looking at his circumstances. No longer looking at the, the bumps and the, the bruises and the scars that he has all over his body. Because he knows that his body is wasting away. And eventually he wouldn't have that body anymore. So what does he look at? He looks at the things that are unseen. The things that are eternal. The things that last. Right, so if, you're, if your joy and your hope is anchored in the things that you own, right? So if you have like, like a truck that you really love or, or you know, just what, whatever it is, if you, if you have a thing that you love and your joy and your hope is anchored there, I got news for you. 
in this world, moth and rust destroy everything, right? So either your stuff is going to break or, or it's going to burn or it's going to get stolen or it's just not going to work anymore, right? So that's the reality of our world is that everything breaks, right? There's a reason that uh, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. It's because you can't take it with you, right? That stuff is worthless when you check out. And so if your joy and your hope is anchored in the things that you have that are temporary, your joy is going to be like the waves of the ocean, just tossing and turning, always changing, right? So you're going to have big highs, but you're going to have massive lows too, because your joy is rooted in something that's not fixed. It's not eternal. It doesn't stay. And so where is Paul going to look? Right? How is he going to not lose heart? He says, as we look to the things that are unseen. See, the reality uh, is that what captivates your eyes is going to dictate the joy of your heart. So whatever you're focusing on is the thing that is going to dictate the amount of joy that you have in your life. Right? So we got two sponges here. And our minds are a lot like... I've said this before, like the news media, right? So it's like 95% negative, right? So the things that we focus on, those are the things that we become, right? So when I uh, started high school and I found my group of friends and they all listened to, wouldn't you know it, they listened to heavy metal. And so uh, when I hung around them and that's what they listened to and this is the way that they dressed, that's what I became. You, you become your surroundings. You become what you focus on. There's a reason that it says in the Proverbs that, that bad company corrupts good character. You become what you're around, what you focus on, what you invest in, what you soak up with your eyes and your ears and your senses, right? You become what is around you, what you submerse yourself in, right? That's why it's so hard to be a Christian in this world is because you see so many things that are just not pleasing to God and it becomes normal, right? So here we have coffee. I promise it's decaf. I only use the bad stuff, so. Right, so, so this sponge has been soaking in here. And so when, when this sponge, this is a person, this is me. This coffee, it's dark brown, decaf, so it's gross. I mean, this is just, this, eh, thank you. This is just like, this is, this is the negative, right? These are the things that burden us, that break us. Uh, this is um, loss in your family. This is um, your prized possession breaking. Uh, this is somebody cutting you off on the freeway, right? And so when you get squeezed by the world, squeezed by affliction, what comes out? Everything that shouldn't, everything that doesn't glorify God, right? So if, if you invest your time and you're this sponge and you go in and you're just, you know, watching shows that, that do not honor God uh, and you listen to music that just makes you feel depressed when you listen to it and you're doing just all and you're just taking in all of these negative things, all these transient things, these things that, that do not bring you closer to God. When you have the pressure of the world on you, what's coming out? All of that stuff. Everything that shouldn't, everything that does not glorify God. But here over in this bucket, which is a little bit smaller, right, you're, you're studying the scriptures every morning. No matter what's going on in your day, you take, you take 45 minutes to just spend time with the Lord. And, and you read about what God has in store for you. And in your prayers, instead of complaining and telling God that your life is a mess, you begin to say prayers of trust, saying, I don't know what you're doing, 
but I trust you in it. Reading scriptures about what heaven is like and just soaking those in and meditating on it. And, and instead of listening to the trash music that's out there on the radio, and you put on, on your worship music, or you just listen to the Bible in the background if you don't like music. And when you get squeezed by the world, what comes out? Just clear, pure water. This, this is the decision that you have to make, because it is a decision. If you are going to focus on the things that are unseen, that are unshakable, that are good, that are pure, that are right, it takes mental decisions. To, to say no to the things and the habits that you were in and to say yes to the things that God is calling you to, right? So we don't fix our hope on what the world offers. We don't fix our hope on money. We don't fix our hope on people. We don't fix our hope on our jobs. We fix our hope and our joy on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who right now is seated on a throne and is interceding for you. So we do not lose heart because we're not being filled with this stuff. The way that you don't lose heart is by filling your mind and your soul with this stuff. By rejecting the things that the world offers and saying yes to what God offers. See, endurance through spiritual trials, not losing heart, will only happen as we with intention and effort fix our eyes on the things of heaven that are eternal. So recognize two things this morning. Recognize, number one, that, that your body and this world is perishing. Right? You are not going to last forever. You have a clock. And when it's time to check out, it's time to check out. And you don't get to take any of your stuff with you. You don't get to take your body with you. Now, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. But all of those things will come to an end. So consider yourself today as crucified with Christ. Uh, and, and secondly, we need to recognize that, the only, that only what is in heaven will last. Uh, and, and that we need to place our joy and our hope in those things. Not, not whether or not I'm going to get a promotion not whether or not I'm going to get to see my grandkids next month. Those are good things. Those are good things that we should want, but that's not where our hope is anchored. There's a reason that the Lord's, in the Lord's prayer it says, thy will be done, not my will. So it's, it's offering up to God those things. So we need to recognize that we will not last forever and neither will this world and that only what is in heaven is going to last. Moths do not destroy. Rust does not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal in heaven. So, um, number three in your notes. Every affliction is diminished by a fixed view of heaven and of heavenly things. Every affliction. So, whatever it is uh, that you are going through, if you learn over time to anchor your hope in the eternal heaven that God has in store for you, if you are able to anchor your hope and your joy there, then your affliction, which felt like a death sentence, becomes light and momentary. That, that's the key to it. That's, that's how the passage moves. It says, it's a light and momentary because I'm fixing my eyes 
on Jesus. Because I'm fixing my eyes on, on what lasts. And so, listen, look, look right at me, church. I want your attention right now. Heaven is the strongest sedative for earthly pain. You hear me? Heaven is the strongest sedative for earthly pain. It is the reason that, that when we mourn, we do not mourn as those who do not have hope. It's the reason that when we get broken and busted up by the world and by our situations and circumstances, uh, it's the reason that we don't just give up. It's, it's because there is something waiting for us beyond the right now. And what we have right now just pales in comparison. It, it is as nothing. So my big idea today is that no affliction gets past heaven's gates. Right? You, when you get to those pearly gates and walk in, you check your baggage at the door and you leave it there. So even if you have to suffer your entire lifetime, which many people do with chronic illnesses, with, with mental illness, man, people suffer their whole lives. But guess what? When they reach heaven, they check it at the door and they don't bring it in. Every affliction, every tension, every stressor, it doesn't come in with you. You leave it behind. Those are things of this world, of this earth, of this time. They aren't things of heaven. And so they don't go in. See, whether we make it through the trial here on earth or if it takes us to heaven, it will not follow you into the dwelling place of God. So if you have a chronic pain uh, or a mental illness that has just been nagging at you for your entire life, um, if you have family issues uh, that you, you're just not reconciled with certain people in your family, those are trials of this earth, and, and you may have to weather them for a long time. But if you have a fixed view of heaven, the pain of those things is greatly diminished. Because God has given us the promise of heaven where all of those things are left behind. So I want to I leave you with three things today. Um, I want to give you a comfort, a motivation, uh, and one next step. Right? So, so uh, the comfort that I want to give you this morning is this, that God wastes no pain. Um, he is using your pain to fashion you into Christ's image according to his will. So nothing you have or ever will experience was worthless or useless before God. Uh, so God is not a bully with a magnifying glass on an anthill just causing problems in your life to have fun. That's, that's just not who he is. Um, your pain, which is inevitable in this world, has deep purpose, and it is shaping you into the person that God has called you to be and is arming you with the wisdom of experience to aid others in their pain. Because when God has brought us through something, then we have the capacity to speak into other people's lives and give them hope too. So that's your comfort, is that God has not wasted your pain. Uh, your motivation today um, is that God greatly rewards those who suffer well. That's number two. If we could see that on the screen. Thank you. So God greatly rewards those who suffer 
well. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the biggest bucket that I can have in heaven. That's just, that, I mean, that's just, you might not want that, but when I get to the pearly gates, I don't just want heaven. I want it all. Like, I want every blessing that the Father has in heaven. I want the greatest capacity to experience and enjoy and worship and praise in heaven. That's what I want. And so if that's what you want too, right, so we need to start making investments into our heavenly bank account, right? We need to expand up there and not down here, which is why Jesus tells us don't invest in this world where, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Like, store up your treasures in heaven, right? So, so my motivation for you this morning is, is start making those deposits, those investments. Learn to suffer well. So when the, the person cuts you off on the road, instead of shaking your fist and swearing under your breath so the kids won't hear, uh, pray for that person, right? So learn to suffer well the things that God throws at you in this life, okay? So, and then here's a bonus for you on that one, for your motivation, uh, is that not only should we be motivated by our rewards in heaven, we should be motivated by evangelism, by reaching people here on this earth. Uh, so let me tell you, nobody cares, as, as a Christian, nobody cares how your life is like when things are great. Right? Nobody cares about your disposition. Right? When, when things are great, everybody's in a good mood. Right? It doesn't matter if you know Jesus or Buddha. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you know, who you believe in, what God you follow. When life is going good, everybody's happy natural to have joy. The world watches you as a Christian when the trial comes your way. They couldn't care less when your life is good, but they watch. They see, they look at you when things get hard. And you know, the way that you suffer, the way that you receive and experience and respond to the pain that you experience in your life may dictate the softness of somebody's heart towards the Lord. Right? If somebody sees you experience an affliction and you act just like they do, they may think, well, what good is that then? Why would, why would I believe and follow that God? It doesn't seem like he's any different from me. But when a Christian acts like a Christian, when they have the pressure, when they're squeezed, right? when they're squeezed out. That's when the world starts to watch and they notice. And that may be a catalyst to share the gospel with them. So people are watching you when you're afflicted. So there's another extra motivation. And then I just have one application for you. One next step is to meditate on scriptures about future glory. Uh, and I want to challenge you this week um, to read one specific passage, which I'm going to read for you right now. Um, so we, we want to tether and anchor our hearts to the perfection and to the hope of heaven, right? And so the way that we do that is the way that the, the psalm says, it says, uh, I hide your word in my heart. And so we want to hide God's word in our heart. We want to meditate. We want to soak in all of the scriptures that contain glorious truth about what awaits us. Uh, and so I want to read this for you um, because we are tethering our hearts on the perfection and hope of heaven and not on the instability of our broken world. And so I want you to hear um, this passage. Now, could we turn off the lights for this? I just want to, um, I'd like you to just close your eyes. And I just want you to hear this and I want you to receive every word of it. Revelation chapter 21. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my child. So church, this is what awaits you. A heaven where there is no tears or pain or death or sorrow. Where there is no more struggle or strife. This is what awaits you. And so I want to challenge you this morning. This is your next step for the next week. Um, Whatever you do for your daily devotions, which uh, I pray that you do. If you don't have a daily devotion, this is a great place to start. I want you to write this passage down. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 7. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Whatever you do normally, uh, I'd like you to do that, but I'd like you to add this on as well. I would like you to read this passage slowly because it is like a big spiritual hug from the Lord. Um, And I just want you for five minutes, just meditate on what it says. And, and see, if you, if you do that every day this next week, see how your attitude changes towards your circumstances. Just watch. If, if you will commit to reading it and soaking it in, just watch what the Lord does to your heart when you begin to fix your mind on heavenly things instead of things of the earth. Let's pray and we'll sing our last song together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you because you are a great and an awesome God. Lord, you deserve all of the glory, Lord, because you carry us through our affliction. Lord, you have given us such great hope in heaven, Lord, that I can't wait to get there and see what it's like. Uh, But Lord, for now, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to suffer well, um, to suffer uh, for your glory uh, and for the good of our own souls, Lord, that uh, anybody in here who's experiencing an affliction right now, Lord, that that they would be given peace, they would be given hope as they look to the things that are unseen. Uh, Lord, that uh, we would be motivated by um, our reward in heaven and and also by our evangelism, that uh, people would see the way that we handle our pain and that they would uh, see that there is something different about us, that they they would see that there is something uh, greater that we have, that they would want that. Um, So Lord, would you help us this morning? Uh, experience from the big and the small, 
Lord, whatever it is that awaits us outside of these church walls, Lord, would you help us to suffer it well? Lord, to, to live in a way that, that glorifies you. And Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on heavenly things. Lord, these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So let's take a moment and just fill out your connection card. Uh, and, and we just want to let you know that if you write down a prayer request, like we pray for you every week. Uh, and so um, let's respond to the word of the Lord this morning. We're just going to take uh, 60 seconds and we'll respond and then the ushers will come by uh, and, uh, and collect those.